0: We might have asserted our authority, but we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having thus a fond fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And the Lord blesses his word every time it is read because it is the inerrant, authoritative, sufficient, inspired word of God. Amen? All right. And so whenever the Lord says anything, we're like, okay, Lord, you're speaking to us and we need to learn from this and apply it. Now, my question was quite a while ago, Lord. Why does not? Why does the assembly or the the, uh, the local church? Why is it not growing? Because I've been in assemblies where it grows tremendously and others where it doesn't grow. Like why isn't it growing? So I, I call this ingredients for God's blessing or power. If you want a title, you know that sound cool. Right? Yeah, there you go. All right. So as you notice in this text, it's all about Paul saying. When we came to you, this is what we did not do, but this is what we did. This was our testimony, and this is how we served you. So God is more, listen now, God is more interested with your character, who you are, than what you do. Because you can do a lot, but you who you are is not right, and God will not bless. All right, so now, I think you would agree with me. We would like to see Revival, we would like to see this place full. Uh, we would like to see God working and bringing in new people. Would you agree? And uh, Nobody's satisfied right with where we're at. And the same in our local assembly. And so Paul basically lays out for us why God worked in such a powerful way, if you notice what he said. And so uh, let, let's look at it then. Here we go. So the first thing he says is that we came to you and we had, we had already come from Philippi where we suffered. Now remember, we said yesterday, he was in Philippi, he preached the gospel, people got saved, and then they beat him and put him in jail. And they were singing and praising God in jail. And suddenly the earthquake, they came out, uh, the, the jailer got saved, then they left, and they headed towards Thessalonica where uh, they were still, uh, you know, putting cream on their wounds, right? And they were still hurting from all of that, and like, okay, Lord, you brought us here, uh, give us boldness, people are lost, they need to hear the gospel, and so the Lord gave them boldness, and they started to preach the word of God. But you could see where, he was a little, like, man, I don't know if I'm ready for another beating, I haven't even recovered yet. And so, that, that was, and Silas too, remember, he was beat as well. And so, they, they were, they were a little reluctant, but God gave them boldness, God gave them boldness. And so, The first thing that uh, that brings revival is that the the body, the the local body, the people in the body begin to have boldness to start preaching the gospel and inviting people to come to hear the word of God preached. And so there's a couple of brothers in our assembly that every prayer meeting, they always say, Lord, we are scared to preach the gospel. You have to give us boldness. You have to give us divine appointments. And so that's what he prays every time. And you know what? It's getting infectious. We're all starting to pray that, Lord, but we're constantly a chicken. We're afraid to preach the gospel. We're afraid to hand out a tract. Give us boldness when the opportunity is there. When you open the door, help us not to chicken out. Anybody has chicken out before when you know you should have done it? I've done it many times. I'm like, oh, Lord, you opened the door, and, 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 uh, man, I was a coward. Forgive me. But give me boldness so that when the open doors come open, I, I take advantage of it. And so Paul then says, when I came to you, uh, verse 2, we already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi. As you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. And so boldness, have you prayed for it? Have you prayed for it? See, sometimes we don't know what to pray for. What do I pray for? Oh, Aunt Mary's sick, and Brother Thing has, a, has an earache. And, and, you know, how about, Lord, give us boldness? Start praying for it. God answers prayer, you know. You can start asking for it. Lord, bring families. Uh, someone said in a commentary, I can't remember who it was the problem is that there's no tears for souls. And so, if you want to see something, we need to go to God and say, Lord, give us boldness. And have that give us that desire to see souls come to Christ, and so they came with boldness next, verse three, for our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. Now he starts looking at his own person, the missionary team. All right, when we came to you, first of all, we didn't, stay for, we didn't stray from the truth. It, didn't, it came with no error. We, didn't, we did not redefine or change the gospel. God's wisdom stands forever. That faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Romans 10. And so they were sticking to the gospel, actually preaching the gospel. Let's not complain. What is the gospel? Christ died on the cross for our sins, was buried, rose again from the dead, ascended on high. If you believe it, you will be saved. That's the quick one, right? Of course, you go into all the details after that, but that's the gospel. And sometimes I just quickly say that to someone. And I, okay, Lord, at least I did that part for now. All right? but give it to them. All right, and so we say the truth, the truth, no error, no error. Next, and this is important, notice, not only did, did we have no error or impurity. So not only are we committed to speak the truth without apologies or changing the gospel, but we need to live the truth. In other words, we can say all the right things and yet God's spirit not work or not move because if there is sin in the camp, the Holy Spirit is restricted as far as what he's going to do. And so he's talking about, when he says impurity, he's talking about sexual cleanness. Satan knows where to attack and how to attack and slow down the progress of the gospel. MacArthur puts it this way, they spoke the truth out of pure lives. Jim Elliot, listen to what he said. Yeah, the missionary who died in Ecuador, this is what he said. In spiritual work, if nowhere else, the character of the worker decides the quality of his work. The world can be morally corrupt and still succeed, but it cannot do so in any work for God. Paul could refer to his own character and matter of living for proof of what he was saying to the Thessalonians. Nine times over the first epistle, he says, You know, referring to the first-hand observance of this local church of Paul's private as well as public life. Paul lived a life that more than illustrated what he preached. It went beyond illustration to convincing proof. Now watch. No wonder So much work in the kingdom is shoddy. Look at the moral character of the worker. And I'm telling you, if you want God to use you as a Sunday school teacher, as a kitchen worker, yes, because that's spiritual work too. Those who made the pancakes this morning and all that, praise the Lord, that was a spiritual work. I was blessed by it in my body, but it was a spiritual work. Those who clean, those who make the calls, everybody's playing their part, and it's a spiritual work. Those who preach, those who exhort, whatever you do, the moral character of the worker is what God is looking for. By the way, I repented 50 times over when I was going through this. The Holy Spirit has taught me through the years, you've got to clean it up. If you want me to use you more powerfully, you have to clean it up. So that's for me. I don't know what your issue is, but wow. I said, Lord, I have to listen. So that means I have to change some movies that I'm watching. I have to stop doing certain things or reading certain articles that are filling my mind with garbage. I have to stop doing things that are not allowing the Holy Spirit to have full access into my life. And then... Consequently, give me power when I do your work. The next thing he says is, or by way of deceit. Deceit in the Greek means a trap or a trick or a fish hook. We can't trick them or force them into the kingdom. So basically, have, have, I've been on many mission trips, and I've been with many evangelists, and we're so zealous to see people get saved that we almost put it, words in their mouth. Just say this prayer. And oh, look, someone got saved. Did they really? You know? And so Paul is saying, look, we didn't come with a, to, to trick you or, or just say these words or do certain things. We didn't come with any kind of deceit. Next, notice what he says. Verse 4, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, the next thing says is, I can say to you that God approved of us. How do we know that? Because look, we've established assemblies everywhere. People are getting saved and transformed. So God is approving our work. This is our primary concern. Uh, God, I want you to examine my life, my ministry, my attitude, my message, and I want it to be approved by God. Because why? Because you examine my heart. See, God looks beyond what people are seeing. He looks deep inside. What's there? What is there? And so I want to be approved by God. And that's what Paul says. He can confidently say, God approved our message. He entrusted me with the gospel. Now notice in Galatians 1, 2, turn there quickly. Galatians 1, 2. Uh, I'm sorry, not one, two, but one nine one nine, Galatians one nine. As we have said before, I so saw I say it again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still striving to please men, I would not be a bond, bond servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. It's God's gospel. And we have no right, and we shouldn't at all mess with the gospel. So we have to have a reverence, a respect. This is God's gospel. This is what he wants me to preach, and it's never boring. You say it over again, and that's what God uses to bring people in to the kingdom. And you notice that he not only says that he was approved by God and, and that he was then presenting the gospel, but notice what else he says. He was entrusted with the gospel, and so we speak. Notice to be entrusted. Again, sorry to make you move your Bibles, but let's do it. 2 Corinthians 4.7. This is another one of those that are my standard that are that are my standard because i looked at this verse and then i said okay this is it right here but well, we have this treasure the treasure is the gospel in earthen vessels now your, your your version may say clay jars or something like that right is that anybody have that particular expression right but that's per, that's correct Uh, pottery, earthen vessels, uh, that the power, listen, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. So in other words, have you ever seen pottery? Of course you have. What happens if you drop it? Even if it's just six inches, if you drop pottery, what's going to happen to it? It's going to break. Why? Because it has no power. It has no power. All right? All it does is contain the fluid, right? And so the Bible is saying you have no power whatsoever because it's not about you. All you are is a container. You contain. You are entrusted with the gospel. That's the power. The power is from God. God transforms. God changes. Your job is to preach the word of God, and then God will take care of the rest. And so someone said, well, isn't God taking a chance? entrusting us with the gospel, that's what you call grace. God takes people who are undeserving, unworthy, full of sin, constantly stumbling. uh, I'm talking about myself, right? Unworthy. He says, I'm going to give you the gospel and it's a treasure. I'm going to entrust you with it. You just contain it and you speak it and leave the rest to me. It's my gospel. I'll handle it. And so, I've been approved by God, he says right here. And we were entrusted with this gospel that's a treasure. God places his glorious message, his good news, in our hands. But the power to change, to transform, is from God. All right, the next thing he says is this. Verse 5, For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. All right, so he also said, by the way, that it's, it's not uh, not to please men, but I'm going to skip the rest of those details right there. All right, so flattering speech. You know, if you read the Proverbs over and over again, it says don't be a person of flattering speech. So here's what MacArthur says again in his commentary. To compliment someone else as a play to win favor with that person or to gain power over him. Underlying motive is greed. Notice also it says a pretext for greed. Pretext means a cloak, a hiding, greedy intentions. So in other words, Paul was not trying to buddy up with the wealthy or to gain popularity. Now, there's a, a couple of assemblies that I go to. There's one in particular I go every month. They want me to go and teach them every month. So within that assembly, there's a couple of doctors. And these doctors' homes, just to give you an idea, brother John, y'all you know where John lives right the, the, there would be three homes of yours wouldn't match the size of their homes, all right I mean these dudes are like and, and my my what I have to be careful is well right, let me go out there and buddy up with them you know and it's tough, right because I have to look at the person who lives in. In a a house the size of mine, where I can barely fit, right? In the same way. And Paul is saying, I didn't go over there and say, okay, where are the rich ones? So they can provide for the ministry. Yeah, God uses them, but God takes care of that part. And so he goes, I didn't go over there. Flattering people or trying to hang out with, with the ones that had the influence. See, and so those are things that we all are are susceptible to. We've all done it, right? If I'm the only one who's done it, have you done it too? Yeah. And so Paul wasn't trying to gain popularity. He wasn't trying to look for those who, you know, maybe we can get the mayor converted with them, you know? No, maybe if God has the power and the authority and he transforms people, then something will happen, right? And so he says here clearly, Nor, verse 6, do we seek the glory of men. (laughs) Wow. That's that's point number nine, by the way. if you have been counting them? This is the ninth one. Uh, If you hadn't had enough to repent about, go home with these nine and start repenting, right? Start confessing. To esteem, to honor the praise of men. Uh, You know, come on, let's be honest. Don't you love it when when you get acknowledged and, and, and people clap and, oh, you know, we we all like that. But that can't be what moves me to do God's work. That can't be it. But we have to fight that because the flesh loves it, doesn't it? So he says, We need to seek the glory of men. The next thing he says is verse ten that point number ten Verse 6, nor do we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we might have asserted or our authority. So what Paul is saying is this. We were, as apostles, as you know, they, they had a special calling from God, and they were able to do miracles, and they had a lot of power. And the demons wouldn't stand up to them. And, and, and as they preached, people were getting saved. And they were establishing the doctrines of the, of the, of the New Testament and, and writing them out. and So they had a lot of power, a lot of authority, and it was so easy for them to come and just start dominating and making it be about them. Have you seen that? Have you seen that? Yeah, I have too. And you know what? It's only a matter of time, and that work starts to fall apart. Because God, the Holy Spirit cannot work when men are pushing around their authority. Holy Spirit just starts to back out. And little by little, it starts to fall apart. It's, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Paul. And, and hey, you know, do you, you know that I went up to the third heaven? You know, I saw angels. Have, have you seen that on TV? I I, oh, I had a dream. And I was up there. And an angel was, and talked to me. And the angel took me. I'm like, dude, are you kidding? On TV. One of those preachers. I'm like, haven't you read the Bible? What, is, what does Colossians say? The guy says he saw angels. He's all puffed up, and he doesn't want to uh, submit to the head, Christ. Colossians 2. So we're not asserting our authority. I'm like, hey, I'm the apostle. You know, treat me right. I want the front seat. I want... They never abuse his authority. He humbly served the Lord. Then he goes on. Where are we in time? Okay. So then he goes on to say, verse 7, but we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her children. So then he says, here's what I was like when I went. I was like a mom. You know, a mom loves her children and cares for them. You know? Uh, my, my grandkid, when he's, when he's with me and I'm playing with him and he falls over, i like, get up, toughen up. And then first thing he does, he looks at mom. Ooh, ooh, and then, oh, my baby got hurt. And he goes running away like, oh, come on. You're going to sissy him up, right? Cut it out. But, but you know what? where, where do the children run to for affection? For mama, right? And of course, mama's going to give it to them. But Paul's saying, look, this is how I went over there. I went over there and I really cared for them just like a mom does her child. And a mom is willing to do anything for her children. I've seen it in my wife. I've seen it in my, my daughter with her children with my grandchildren. Man, they, they, they care for those kids and take care of them. And Paul said, that, that's, that's the attitude I had. I was like a mom. Wow. We were gentle among you like a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. In verse 8, and he further pushes this point, having thus fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. Now you can see then that the leadership that Paul, he really cared for the people. It wasn't just, let's just show up on Sunday and do our thing. But man, he cared for them. I had fond affection for you. We'll give up our very lives for you, and he says it again in Second Corinthians that we didn't just give you the gospel, but our own very li- our very own lives we gave for you, because you matter to us. And don't isn't that what we want when we come to church? That I matter, that somebody cares for me, that I don't just come and leave and and, and, and I'm just a number, but but I'm valued by the people, and that's what we all want. Paul says that was my attitude when I went over there. I didn't just preach the gospel to you, but I really loved you, and I gave myself for you. I was like a mom, totally given to you. So he continues. For you recall, verse 9, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. So then he goes into his, um, if you will, his work ethic. Went over there. I could have easily said after I preached, by the way, uh, I, I'm, I'm an apostle. We're here uh, full time. So go ahead and start giving us money. Uh, I'm going to start collecting. But what he did was he made tents on the side so that they wouldn't have to sacrifice because he didn't want them to to misunderstand. You know, it's not about me but but later on, you'll learn the principles of giving and all that. But right now, I want to build you up in the faith. So yeah, it's a part-time job. By the way, I drive a bus, a school bus, on the side. And through that, I've been able to bring people to Christ. And through that, I tell the commanding assembly, you don't have to give me so much because I don't want to be a burden to that local assembly. So it's okay if workers have a side thing. Paul did it. He talks about it a lot of times in the New Testament. It's all right. Dr. Steve Price does the same. He goes and does emergency stuff still. Because we don't want to be a burden, see? And so we worked, we worked the work ethic. The believer who God is going to use in a powerful way has a work ethic. He prepares hard. He's ready. He's ready any time to preach the word, any time to do the Sunday school lesson, whenever you're called upon, you're prepared because you work. Whoever does the music, they practice and they're ready. Whoever prepares the pies, you have to do the work, right? And they don't just show up. Well, you could go to Kroger and just buy a bunch and bring them, but you know, you get the point. And so then he concludes you are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers. Wow. See, you want God to bless? You want God to the bless? There you go. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you. See, it's, it's not just the, the, the elders that have to be held to the standard. We all have to be held to the standard. The Sunday school teacher Is held to the same standard. The brother who cleans up. Yeah, you better believe it. It's held to the same standard. Or sister, whoever does it. Right? The the ones who prepare the food and get the kitchen ready. Same standard. I mean, there's not, well, you're the elder, so you're the ones. But no, it's not just the elders. It's everybody because we're all born again and we all want to be used by God. So we're held to the same standard. Yes, the leadership will be more accountable, understand, understand, but we're still held to the same standard. And and, and if we want God to bring revival and to bring blessing, uh, these points that we're looking at here have to be true in our lives. But then he takes it another step. He goes, beyond us, uh, because you're witnesses, and so is God, that, that we were upright, that we were blameless, that we behaved correctly towards you, we were devout. Not only that, but verse eleven: just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and praying each one of you as a father would his own children. He goes, well, not only were we like a mom, but we were like a dad as well. We were, we were encouraging and you and imploring you and and you know leading you, directing you, showing you how to do it like a dad has to do. So Paul is pretty much using the standard of a home. Uh, this was our standard as we brought it to the body, uh, just like a, a mom and dad love each other, and they have children, and they love those children, and pour their lives into them. That's the same thing. It's the same standard. We come to the local assembly. We, we care. We care about the people. We care about the work. We care about holiness. We care about our testimony, because it, it does matter, and that's what allows the Holy Spirit to have full access and to move powerfully. So that, verse 12, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Why were they doing that? Because the Christian walk is not any walk. I'm I'm, I'm representing Jesus Christ. I'm representing the gospel. I'm representing the Holy Spirit uh, transforming power in my life. So I want to walk worthy of that calling. I called you from hell to become part of my kingdom. And you're going to represent me walking in a manner worthy of this holy calling. So. For those of you who want a quick review as we close out. Boldness to speak. No error. No impurity. No deceit. We were approved by God. We were entrusted with the gospel. We were not pleasing men. We we weren't trying to flatter people, no flattering speech. We weren't seeking glory of men. We were not asserting our authority, but we were like a mom and a dad, and we really cared for you. And our testimony was blameless. See, when that is true, the Holy Spirit can't help but to move powerfully among us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Boy, you really hold us to high standards. But we pray, if it's there in the scriptures, you want us to do it. So Holy Spirit, help us to to live out this life that Paul just set before us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.